the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D Podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. It is episode 32. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing, and please tell your friends and everybody, and uh, subscribe at uh, radiomisfits.com, and rate and review us on any platform. We're available everywhere, so please take the time. Rate, review, tell us what you think. Go to the threaded comments at radiomisfits.com, rate and review us on every platform, uh, and also uh, be a part of the show. Check us out. Leave voicemails at 773-417-6948. Drop an email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Want to get to uh, my guest uh, as quickly as possible because he rules. Stephen Tobolowsky, one of the greatest uh, character actors of all time, one of the greatest storytellers, one of the coolest people ever, ever. been a friend of my show and been a friend of mine for many, many years and uh, is making his first appearance on my podcast, the first of many. I want to get to that right away. But I do also want to mention that Esmeralda Leon will be joining me a little bit later. And uh, thanks to a great uh, listener and a great friend, um, we have in our possession, Esmeralda and I have in our possession, all of that terrible, disgusting, nasty candy that we were talking about uh, a few episodes ago. And we're going to taste it live on the podcast. We are going to do some terrible, disgusting candy taste tests. That's coming up. Oh, look. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. You know who else loves my show? The great Stephen Tobolowsky. So let's get right to it after I tell you congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jagoff. All right, I could not be more excited uh, to welcome back, well, for the first time on this podcast, but for many, one of the many, many, many times this man has, uh, has graced himself, or my, us with his, with his uh, presence, uh, a great, terrific, a terrific actor, a wonderful storyteller, a great writer, a musician, a podcaster. Uh, he, works on, uh, he works in every possible way that you can work. Uh, know him from a ton of movies and TV shows, including the recent One Day at a Time, and Sneakers, and Thelma and Louise. Um, and Glee, and uh, obviously uh, Groundhog Day, Neil Knows Ned from Groundhog Day, and so many more things. And uh, it, it was always amazingly fun to have uh, Stephen on the show. I got to hang out with him a couple of times when he came to Chicago, and I want to welcome officially to the show Mr. The One and Only, Stephen Tobolowsky. Stephen, how are you, sir? I am doing so good, Nick. <laughs> I'm doing so good to talk to you again. This is really wonderful. I, I'm so th- uh, thankful that you you were able to take the time to do it, and I hope that uh, you will able to come back on a semi regular basis because I love having you on, and it's always a always a blast. 
It, it's, it's been a hoot since the beginning, as I recall. Yeah, the first time you were ever on the show, you, we, first we did a phone interview with you, and uh, yes. the, right around that time, I, it, you were promoting that wonderful film, Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party. Right, right. And, uh, and, and, you were, and we, ended, we ended up in so many different conversations, a lot. Uh, see, I had no idea at the time you were a theater guy. Yeah, I did. And, yeah, and did that's a big film. thing, not just a radio guy, but a theater guy. And, and we ended up talking about so many productions and so many productions gone wrong. Right. And why is it that it's so funny when a production goes completely wrong? Absolutely. And, and we, we just had such a time. I don't know. Oh. Did I ever tell you this? And I, w- I want to hear some of those stories, too. But before we do any of that, before we jump in, because I already want to get into the conversation with you, and St- and Stephen, and talk with you until, you know, dawn, because uh, it's so great. <laughs> But I do, I want to, I want to, I let you know this before we start recording. I have a wonderful, incredibly crazy and incredibly talented guy who does music and themes and sounds and noise and jingles for my show. His name is Jason Skaggs um, and no relation to Boz. Um, He's in Houston, so he's in Texas. So you should like him automatically, right, Stephen? Automatically. (laughs) Well, Jason is an incredibly talented guy who you know, uh, for free because he knows I'm broke is like, yeah, man, you need themes, you need songs, you need jingles. I'm your man. Well, I asked him to compose a song for you because I, I, uh, he has composed songs for a lot of my regular and semi-regular guests. And I was hoping that you would be a semi-regular guest. So we wanted to give you a theme song. Does that sound okay to you? Be very afraid. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Listen closely. This is Jason Skaggs, and this is your theme, the Stephen Tobolowsky theme. Every time you appear on this podcast, this will play. Cocaine and blue eyes. <laughs> I heard a voice last night. It was a cast of thousands. Stephen Tobolowsky. He was named the head. Stephen Tobolowsky. Did you hear what I just said? Stephen Tobolowsky. Whistling belly button trick. Stephen Tobolowsky. Bing! Stephen Tobolowsky. Bing! So there it is. I am amazed. You did go deep on this one, just opening it with cocaine and blue eyes. That's right. as now, deep as we could go. So I, I, what's your initial thought? That's Jason Skaggs who did that. I think it's spectacular. And, <laughs> and ending with that beautiful guitar lick is you, you always want to start strong and you always want to leave something beautiful to remember. So we got something beautiful to remember with that guitar going out man that's just gorgeous reminds me of stevie ray that's exactly why i did it yeah yeah so explain to people what what are some of the little little uh deep cuts there that little inside cuts there we got the we got the ned the head stuff that we get you got the ned the head pretty pretty heavily in there in the what we would call act two of of this uh musical intro act two is very much ned the head but act one you open with the seldom seen cocaine and blue eyes yeah which was one of the first big jobs i had in los angeles because it starred one of the nation's idols oj simpson (laughs) and i played porno clerk and i don't know if if you know this nick but on imdb ordinarily 
they leave that stuff alone, but they have edited my cocaine and blue eyes entry from porno clerk to simply clerk. <laughs> how, do you think, feel, how do you feel about that? Do you feel gypped? I think, no, when they saw the direction my career took at that particular time, I could yeah. be porno clerk. You know, early on, there are a lot yeah. of early yeah, yeah. entries in IMDb are like, you know, prostitute, prostitute number two, right. male prostitute, porno <laughs> clerk. You have all those early kind of jobs you do. But I wanted, I was so happy to have this job because my family loved O.J. Simpson, and especially my brother, who's a big sports fan. Right. And I was so shaking when I went up to him. Oh, Mr. Simpson, I'm so happy to meet you. So happy to meet you. And so we went into the porno shop, which was a real porno shop on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh O.J. and I rehearsed my scene, the scene. There was only one scene where he was was a detective and he was questioning me. Uh, Oh, wait. uh, He was doing the questioning? There's a twist. (laughs) That was a, hey, this this was before he was a murderer. Come on. So this was before okay. he was a he was an American hero. He's a legend. And right. and so he is questioning me if I had any information about something. And so we, we do this scene. I'm behind the cash register with a bunch of things behind me that I guess they had to what do you do it on TV where you have to blot them out because yeah. they're, they're, t- they're pixelate too... them, pixelate, pixelate them. them. You had to pixelate. Yeah. You had uh-huh. to pixelate those things, those prosthetics. You had to pixelate them. <laughs> oh, that brings me up to another story. But anyway, you had to pixelate those things. And then we go back to our trailers. It was the first time, Nick, I ever had a trailer or what you call a honey wagon. Cause when you're porno clerk, you don't get a real trailer. You just get a little place where you could sit on a stoop and yeah. have a little toilet if you need one, and and just kind of lie down if you need. To. It's yeah. not. Much. But by the way, by the way, Stephen, I think um, playing a porno clerk, it's very appropriate that you were in a honey wagon. For some reason, that seems to. <laughs> oh, that oh, seems to fit. There have been times, yeah. There have been times, uh, but but. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting in there for about an hour and a half, and I'm thinking, like, what's taking so long? And then they finally call us back in to shoot the scene, and O.J. felt I was too tall for him. And so they built the floor up everywhere in the scene where he had to walk so he would be taller than me. So it was like a Monty Python thing. So I'm standing, I'm like walking in a trench, and he's on these boxes that they built over the last two hours so he's looming over me uh so that's what we were waiting for and cocaine and blue eyes was such a non-starter in terms of a film when did they air it new New year's eve like (laughs) who is gonna be home watching cocaine and blue eyes on new year's eve everybody were you were you the com- were you Dick Clark's competition that night? What? No, I was. I was nobody. There was nobody that's going to be watching a, a made-for-TV movie starring O.J. Simpson on New Year's Eve. They're all going to be par- anyone who's going to watch that show is going to be partying. They're right. going to be out. No one's going to be getting candy. Th- those people aren't going to be doing it. It was. It was hilarious. Uh, gosh. Anyway, that was 
my my cocaine. Ablo- so that was the first deep cut. That's the first deep cut. So, th- so that's the reference. The first reference that Jason put in there was cocaine and blue. And then you have cast of thousands, which is of course the rock and roll group that ever so for a short period of time our lead guitarist was Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. which which was uh, amazing. Of course, at the time. All of us in Cast of Thousands, who our our big gig at the time was playing the Mormon Church, <laughs> you know that was our big gig at the time. But Bobby Foreman knew of he had some sort of connection to where we got picked as one of the five Dallas Garage bands to put two songs on this album, and we all knew uh, the Vaughn Brothers, uh, Jimmy and Stevie. Uh, they kind of lived in our neighborhood, and they all play guitars and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we didn't, he wasn't like a friend of mine. We, we weren't like bros or anything. But we're going to record, and Bobby said that he's asking uh, Stevie Vaughn to play lead guitar on our songs. And I was incensed. <laughs> I, I was like, Bobby, you know, we're quasi-semi-professional with these instruments. You know, we can play our own folk tunes here. And he goes, listen, you know, this kid is so good. He's going to make us sound like we know what we're doing. And it's true. Yeah. He was so good. But more than that, what, what I have mentioned over the years, the most important thing about Stevie Ray and that experience, it was the first time in my life I or anyone in that room experienced genius. Mm. And it's not to be uh, overstated. Yeah. The, the importance of that. Most people go through their lives and you, you see actors on TV. You're, you're not seeing the real thing. You're not seeing really genius. You're not seeing something amazing. We, we were seeing as if you were sitting in a parlor watching Beethoven play the piano. Yeah. You, it, it was awesome. And everyone in the room knew it. We didn't know what we were seeing, but we knew it was beyond anything in our experience, and we would never forget it. And I never have. And I never forget the faces on the grown-ups in the room, because I think I was 19 when we did that album. And the faces of the grown-ups in the room that were recording it was like watching kids hearing stories around a fire pit at night like on a camp out, yeah. it was awestruck. The, jaw, the mouth was open, the eyes were wide as they watched this kid. And they thought, oh, maybe this is why I'm alive. Maybe this is why I have this job, is that I was able to see this and meet somebody like that in my life. It was not to be, uh, it, was, it was a major event for me. Yeah. And so, yes, that's a deep cut going to, Cast of thousands. Cast of thousands. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Mm. So that was, and then he did uh, what was the other, the third one? Oh, whistle the belly button uh, whistle trick. That's getting into Act Two. That's getting into Ned oh, Ryerson. Okay, I'm sorry. You and, can go in. Oh yes, that's right. Okay, so 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 Act One is uh, Cocaine and Blue Eyes. Cast yeah. of thousands. Yeah. Uh, is that still Act One? Do we move on to Act Two I now? Th- then we then we kind of move on to all the various. It seems like. Uh, a recitation of various roles I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, boom, 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 yeah. boom, including yes. Needle Nose Ned, Groundhog Day. And then we went into the whole Groundhog Day section, right. which was very sweet. And, yes. and again, 
gosh, I don't know if it's just uh, I've, I'm more desperate than ever, but I never get tired of Ned, and I never get tired of what happened to be accomplished in that film. It's one, I can't think of another movie, certainly I was a part of, where everything went right. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, working on a film, there are a million ways it can go wrong. A million ways it could go wrong. Yeah. E- even with the final credits, you have the whole movie is good, and then the final credits are terrible, and you go like, ah. Oh. Yeah. You know, there are very few, and Groundhog Day was, in my estimation, like a perfect movie yeah. due to the genius of, of Harold Ramis, oh, and Danny yeah. Rubin, the writer, yeah, and yeah. Bill, of course, and yeah. Andy, of course. And, I mean, and mm-hmm. Chris, I mean, a wonderful, wonderful cast, wonderful cast to work with. Uh, John Bailey was our DP, uh, brilliant cinematographer. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing in concept how it all worked out, and it could have not worked out. I agree, and it's one of those movies that you know it's a special movie, Stephen. And 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 um, I I want to claim that I knew that the minute I saw it, I really do. And I know <laughs> I know it took a few years for it to gain the kind of traction that it now has as and is considered. You know, it's an American classic at this point. I'm not overstating that. It really is. Right. And and but I kind of because I was uh, I always have been and I always will be. Uh, perhaps the biggest uh, uh, Harold Ramis fan ever. Um, I worship that guy. You know, having studied at Second City and having started in improv and then the theater company that I was with, we were all like offshoots from from Second City. And that kind of comedy, you know, I mean, my the, 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 for me, the comedy of my youth that formed my sensibility to do comedy and to be a part of comedy was SNL, the first season of SNL, um, SETV, um, you know the first seasons of SCTV and um, oh. and and Python. Those were the those were the things that really formed me. And and Bill Murray was a big part of that. And Harold Ramis, um, he was his his name is on the credits as far as I'm concerned. There's a holy trinity of that generation of comedy. And I may have told you this before. Um, for me, at least personally, there's a holy trinity of comedy films. And Harold Ramis's name is on the credits for all three of them. And that would be <laughs> Na- that would be National Lampoon's Animal House, which he which he yes. co-wrote. That would be um, Stripes, which mm-hmm. he co-wrote and appears in. And it would be Caddyshack, which he co-wrote and directed. And oh. those three, you know, I was in my teens. I was just forming my, my comic sensibility. And those three movies came out within three years of each other at a very, you know, a, a time when I was a teen. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is the kind of comedy I want to make. And Harold Ramis quickly became one of my heroes. And so I got to meet him a couple of times and... Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's right out of the gate. I loved, I loved Groundhog Day. And of course, you're one of, the, one of the big highlights of that. You are so great in that movie. It's just so it's, great. You know, before the pandemic, you, you could always tell like where you fit in the public by how they treat you in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I was too famous for Gelson's. That's the <laughs> snazzy grocery store here in L.A. Like uh-huh. every time I went into Gelson's, people would stop me and say, say Bing for me. Say uh-huh. Bing. Does anyone ever ask you that? I go, yeah, yeah. every day. It's Shockingly. like Groundhog Day. <laughs> Shockingly. Uh, you know, so I had to go start sh- shopping at Ralph's just to get a little anonymity. And then uh, then came. But it's like Harold Ramis. I was lucky in that I was able to spend a lot of time with him. And 
he told me things about how he was filming the movie and what he was doing with the movie that have stuck with me again for my entire life. And and just in terms of comedy, when people see the movie, you'll you'll realize this. Harold Ramis's philosophy, what he told me is comedy lives in the two shot, that you have to have a two shot. And he says the way comedy fails is when the directors use too many singles and too many close-ups because you have to have the world and you have to have what is aberrant in the world. He says it's like the old Jewish comedies, the Shlemiel and the Shlemazel. You got the Shlemiel who always spills the soup and you got the Shlemazel who always gets the soup spilled on him. (laughs) And you have to have them both in the same frame at the same time. And when you see Groundhog Day, you will see that Bill and I are almost always in two shots. Yeah. Because I am the schlemiel. Generally, I'm the one who spills the soup. And in our scenes, Bill is the one who gets the soup spilled on him. And in terms of Bill Murray and the brilliance of his performance, almost immediately after my scenes, he goes into the scenes in the uh, diner in which he's the the schlemiel. Yeah. And Andy and Chris are the schlamozzle. You know, Bill is the one who's acting crazy, and they're the ones who have to be the straight men for Bill. And he switches back and forth throughout the movie. It's amazing. Well, it's it is it is it's a film that, and I really again, this was a a, a few years back. You were kind enough to do like a Skype Q and A with my audience when I screened Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day in like 2017 or 16 or something like that. And it was so much fun, and people ask you questions and. And it's so nice that you don't get sick of it because it is one of those iconic roles that, you know, like some people would be like, all right, enough with the bing. You know what I mean? Enough with the, you know, that kind of stuff, Uh, you know, um, but but you love it and you embrace it. And it's nice that a role that so many people have loved and latched on to. Um, that was also a pleasurable experience for you because I'm sure that you've had, maybe you've had, let me, this is a question. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Stephen. Have you ever had a part that you were like, maybe the movie was a miserable experience for you, but, and maybe you don't want to talk about it, but it it was embraced by the public and maybe that's one of the movies that sometimes, because I mean, you've been in a million things. I looked at your, by the way, I don't know if if you know what your credits are up to on your IMDB page, but do you know what they are up to now? No. Okay, they're 280. I just want you wow. to know that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're 280. So among those 280, I'm sure that you've done films and, and TV shows that you're like, well, well, one of them, hell, one of them was with OJ. You already mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> that that might be not be the greatest experience. But has anybody ever come up to you and quoted stuff from movies that you didn't like, a character that you weren't crazy about or a movie that you didn't like, and where you had to kind of grit your teeth and go, yeah, yeah, that was fun. You ever have to do that? Uh-huh. Let me... Let me take it from the other way first. Okay. I have to think about the other way first is <clears throat> Radioland Murders. Yes. I was in Radioland Murders, which is a movie that people went to win. <laughs> and it was a movie that doing the movie, I had such a great time. I had I thought the cast was splendid. Brian Bimbin, hilarious. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, wonderful. I mean, it was a George Burns. I yeah. got to meet George Burns. I mean, it was a fantastic movie. And uh, Mel Smith was directing, a wonderful English director. Mm-hmm. And I could tell the scenes were working great. And I saw a rough cut of it. And it was fantastic. 
and it was two hours and 20 minutes long. And then George Lucas, our executive producer, he came in and he wanted to jump in and have fun with the party too. And he started filming stuff. And that's where I have my infamous George Lucas story, which should I tell you again? Do you sure, know the please. George? I mean, you, you can't, you can't, you can't tease that for the people who haven't heard yeah, it. Yeah, the George Lucas story. Please, is, yeah. <laughs> George came in and he wanted to change what, what it is, is Radio Land Murders is a radio show. And then there are murders going on within the, it's a whodunit. And so there's always some sort of act on stage that's being recorded for the radio show. And George wanted to change the order of the acts that were on stage. So we had to reshoot something like 80 pages in two days, two, three days. I mean, it's an amazing amount. We were up. We were up. It was the longest I was ever awake straight. I was up for 33 hours. Wow. uh, During that period of time, redoing stuff we had already done just to change it. And to finish it, George wanted to shoot my scene uh, where, uh, gosh, I think it, it was just me and I think with Mary Stewart, I think just the two of us, and I'm leaving, and I'm leaving. And I was booked for a pilot in Los Angeles, and we were shooting in South Carolina. Oh, and man. I had to get on this plane. And so we're up at dawn. I've been up 33 hours, and George is shooting, and I'm, I'm dressed in my old-timey suit, my 1930s you know, suit with my 1930s eyeglasses that I can't see out of. And we do the scene. We do everything, and then we walk off. I get my bags. I'm jumping in the car to go to the airport to catch my plane, and they run up and say, Stephen, Stephen, we have a problem. George put his thumb on the camera lens, and we have to reshoot your scene. I go ballistic. It's the one, Now, can we swear on your, your podcast? Uh, yes, you can. Fuck yes. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is kind of what happened. I went, he went, what? George fucking Lucas put his thumb on the, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll tell you what, okay, okay. And I walk up to George and I walk up, okay, you idiots, you idiots. I have to be in Los Angeles now, you fucking imbeciles. Okay, look, George Lucas, you're coming to town. You do Star Wars, great. Oh, man. And now you put your thumb on the lens. You have one time, one time to shoot this scene. One more time and then I'm off to Los Angeles. And get it right this time. And, and so George shoots it. I get in the car. Somewhere after I boarded the plane and we just took off, I thought, oh, no. What did I just do? Oh, God. Did I just end my career? What a terrible, terrible thing I could have done. And uh, I landed. I did the first read-through of the pilot, and then I called George Lucas up on the phone. And I said, George, George, this is Stephen in Los Angeles. I am so, so sorry. I was so tired. And, and he starts laughing on the other end of the phone. And he says, don't worry about it. We got the shot. And to tell you the truth, it was the most fun, most fun I had the whole time I was there. He said it was a blast. So anyway, I felt like I, at least he graced me with his reprieve. And then I saw a rough cut of the film after it was done. They, they sent me a rough cut to look at. Two hours, 20 minutes long. It was hilarious. 
I called up my agent and I said, I got good news for you. I just saw Radio Land Murders. It's going to be a hit. And you mm-hmm. mark my words, it <laughs> is wonderful. Yeah. Well, George took the movie back and he thought it was too long, uh, two hours and 20 minutes, and he cut it down to something like 89 minutes. Yeah. And uh, so I gather a big movie party. He says, let's go to Hollywood Boulevard and see Radio Land Murders opening opening day because it's good, guys. I've already <laughs> seen it, and I had no idea this cut had taken place. Right. I start watching it. It was horrible. Yeah. It was it was like not a laugh, not a nothing. Yeah. It seemed interminable. And the review the next day said Radioland murders like a gerbil on speed. And and I yeah. thought, you know, that's accurate. That's kind of how I felt. I kind <laughs> of felt like a gerbil on speed watching that movie. And that was a movie that I thought was really going to be a hit. Yeah. And it wasn't a hit. Well, it, uh, it, yeah, it, I mean, I, you know, as you, as you were, you mentioning the title of the movie, I remember seeing it and I remember it not being good. <laughs> I remember it not being good. Uh, but I, is there, does someone have, does Mel Smith have the two hour 20 cut? I don't anywhere? know. I don't know. I just loved it. I thought it was so good. I'm trying to think of, of things, movies that I was in that I thought were not good. And because I'm usually kind of a positive person, and I always right. think like, "Oh well, it's going to be, it's going to be fine." Yeah, that's and, why I was, I was even hesitant to ask the question because you never, you, I mean, you've never ever poo-poo on anything that you've done, or, or you know, or well, den- you, like or I say, you know, everybody, everybody tries so hard. I mean, one thing, you know, I get young actors all the time and people who want to be a part of the film industry all the time asking me questions of what it's like or how to get in. And the one thing I try to convey to them is it's so hard. The The work that you have to do in films is so hard, it's much harder than you would ever imagine. And a lot of it is because there are catastrophes that happen all the time, and you have to deal with them. Yeah. You, either you don't have time, you don't have money, you don't have the set, you lost the weather— so many things going like Deadwood, you know, with, with Deadwood. So many things happened wrong on that show. It took people that were really at the top of their game at the time to just persevere and be able to finish that series. Yeah, because it's so difficult. Uh, boy, I. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to come up. Yeah, with I, a, I'll tell with, you. I'll, I'll I'll think on that. Of, think of on the that show. the next time. Next time you're yeah. on, we'll do that. Yeah. The next time, and the next time we get to play your great theme song by Jason Skaggs. We'll, yes, yeah. amazing. So, um, I, I will let Jason know uh, that you were thrilled. I mean, he's going to hear this. So, uh, oh, good. So, yeah. So, but so it's, Jason, it's it's certainly wonderful. Yeah, I'm, wonderful. I'm glad you liked it. it, it yes. will make, that makes both of us very happy. Um, yeah. So, so I, I do want to mention uh, quickly. Uh, how did you deal? Uh, we can just do this quickly because everybody is probably wondering. How did you deal with COVID? What happened during that? And, and what's been happening with you after? Uh, you know, you were talking about recording stuff at home because of COVID and doing things from home. Um, how did you and your family handle COVID? It was, it was certainly, it was difficult. And again, it was, I'm dancing as fast as I can kind of mode. You, you know, you're, you're doing whatever you can to keep from falling over the waterfall at first, there was no. We were doing one day at a time when COVID hit. Right. 
And we didn't really get the idea of what was happening, but we w- that was a show in front of a studio audience. And that fourth season, we suddenly had no audiences for two shows. So Sony was closing down. You couldn't have audiences in there, which kind of hurt in t- terms of, of doing that kind of comedy because yeah. we fed off of the audience like a stage play. Sure. Then... The sh- then came the uh, great dying off. And and at Sony, which is basically where I was working with uh, on the Goldberg still, you would go there and each time I would come back to shoot on the Goldbergs, there were more and more shows that were closing down. And to do a show like the Goldbergs, you had to do a COVID test every 48 hours. Then you had to do, which, and you didn't do it at home. You had to drive to Sony and have their nurses do it. Right. I mean, you had to do the real COVID test. And then it got to a point on the second, at the beginning of the second year of COVID, where we were doing the test every 48 hours, plus you had to take the 15-minute Abbott test before you shot that day. So amazing amount of testing. Then you were isolated. Uh, we were in, I guess you would say, like a semi-truck trailer, and in the back of that truck trailer were plexiglass boxes, and everyone in the cast sat in their own box. It is, and they Jeez. had stairs coming in. And so we were in a box, and you could breathe, and you could talk to one another, but you were in a box. Then you rehearsed with your mask and your shield on, then you took off your mask and they redid your makeup. You rehearsed with the shield and then you took everything off and you felt completely naked and you shot. Yeah. And the first couple jobs I did during COVID, I thought, well, cool, man, you're doing it. If I take the line from Judaism, if not now, when? You, you know, now is yeah, the yeah. time that yeah. you have to step up and you have to do your job. It's it's easy to stay home and say I'm not going to work, but but then the more Goldbergs I started doing, I began to think like, is this really safe? And not that their set wasn't safe; it was the only one that was safe. But by the time Sony was cleared out, there was no one there but the Goldbergs. Mm. All of the shows had shut down, and one of the uh, crew people on Goldberg said, "It's the last couple years." Nobody has been able to figure out what to do about COVID, and they do one or two episodes of a show. COVID breaks out in the cast uh, and in the crew. They shut down, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it became that kind of ghost town mentality. The, the thing, my wife has still been very much dedicated to theater, and she'd been directing theater and at the beginning of COVID, they would film the theatrical productions that she would direct on stage, and they would film it in the theater with no audience, but with the camera crew. That started to happen. And then, Nick, I started getting the idea of the supply chain. Mm. And we have the supply chain problem with getting peanut butter and toilet paper. Right. But we have the supply chain problem in terms of theater and I guess in all the arts, and that is everybody has the dream when you're kids 
of being a movie star or, or being in a TV show, those kind of things. But what you don't realize when you're a kid, the real action is when you're not a star and you're not getting paid and you're doing equity waiver theater, which I know you have been involved with in Chicago. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I had too. And it, if you look at it, COVID has decimated equity waiver theater. First of all, you know, who's going to do a show? Who's going to go to a show in one of these 99-seat houses? And you think, well, let's do the big, do the big jobs instead. Well, the big jobs come from the small jobs. Yeah. And I had this little memory that I had uh, back in my previous life when I was living with Beth. Uh, Beth Henley, who the first place she wrote won the Pulitzer Prize. Right out of the gate, yeah. man. Yeah, right, right out, out of the, the gate. gate. Won the Pulitzer yeah. Prize with Crimes of the Heart. Yep. Well, Crimes of the Heart didn't start in New York or start on Broadway. It started in our living room. Mm. And we had the first reading of Crimes of the Heart in our living room, where various friends of ours played uh, Lenny and Babe and Meg, and I played Barnett. And you, you, we all did this, and all of our friends were back in the living room. And Danny Goldman, who was a, a guy here in Hollywood, said, I'd like to do this as an equity waiver show. We hit the, we were on the moon. Mm-hmm. We thought, this is it. We have made it. And so Sharon Ulrich, who played Meg, was the only person in our cast who had an agent. And so she gave the play to her agent to read. He never read it. He put it in a stack of, of uh, scripts that he used to give to his boyfriend when his boyfriend came out from New York because he liked to read. He was an agent in New York, and he liked to read scripts on the plane of plays. It turns out Beth's play, which at that time was named Crimes of Passion, which is the name I gave it. Crimes of Passion. Instead of, old, what, yeah. instead of old granddaddy's dying, which is what right. Beth gave it. Right. So— Crimes of Passion, uh, it happened to be the first play on his stack as he's reading from L.A. to New York, and he calls from New York City. And he said, "Uh, this is Gilbert Parker. Could I please talk to Beth Henley? And I go, I don't know who Gilbert Parker is. Sure. I give the phone to Beth, and Beth's looking at me with those big old eyes and like shrugging and going like, what the heck? What's going on? Anyway, she said, he's an agent in New York, and he wants to help me with my play. So that play, through Gilbert, was sent to Louisville and the Great American Play Contest. Beth's play wins, first prize, Great American Play Contest, and the leading actress then was from SMU, Kathy Bates, Mm -hmm. who played the leading role in Crimes of the Heart, uh, along with Susan Kingsley. Uh, who was one of the greatest actresses ever. God, I loved her. Mm -hmm. And those two played. At that point, people are coming from New York and say, hey, maybe we could bring this show to New York. And it ends up going off-Broadway at the Manhattan Theater Club and eventually moves to Broadway where it runs for two or three years. It gets made into a film and, and nominated for Tony Awards, nominated for Academy Awards, and everybody says, oh, oh, gosh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to write a play <laughs> that is a, 
in New York and is a hit. No, you write a play that sells in your living room. Yeah. And then that, and then some little guy who says like, well, I'd like to produce it. I'll produce it here in a house that's got 40 seats in it. Yeah. You know, but, but I think people really love this and we got a cast. Okay. You sell it there and then it grows. And I fear that that supply chain has, is what's been destroyed. Can COVID. I just can, can I just mention you know I think you're I think you're very right I think what it did you know having done theater for a long time and I and, you know and the company that I was artistic director of uh, Factory Theater uh, is not Equity so we weren't even Equity so we were you know basically doing the shows to pay the rent so that we could do the next show which I know you you've done as well I oh, mean yeah. that's that's the impetus it's not like you know we just want to do it because we want to do the work we like what we're doing. And we just want to be able to keep the lights on for the next show. That's essentially what we were doing for the next yeah. production. <clears throat> and my uh, my alma mater, the Factory Theater, um, they just reopened a month ago, uh, and they closed down in February of 2020 and um, March of 2020. March of 2020. Uh, so it's been over two years. It's been well over two years, and you know, it, it's not like you can't. You you don't have to. You have to still pay rent on that space that they have um, and there's no, there's no income coming in. And so they finally, they, the, the production that they just put up was the production that got interrupted in 2020. Wow. And they just put it up and it's a small, like 60 seat, you know, it's a, it, it's a variable in terms of, you can put folding chairs in and make it 70, 80 seats, stuff like that. But it's a small space and they just reopened um, and, and they did really well and they're getting ready to put up their next production. But for about a year and a half, nobody knew what was going to happen at that company. And nobody knew what was going to happen in May in big companies. Steppenwolf closed down for God's sake in this, in this city, you know, and, and for that, and Broadway was dark. I, I remember the first night that I, I, that like all the lights were out on Broadway and I was like, what is happening? It was, it was, uh, it was devastating. And you're absolutely right. This, this supply chain that you are talking about has been irreparably damaged, I think. Is there any way that we can, I mean, do, do you feel at least a little bit more hopeful uh, about this kind of stuff happening again? Not right now. And, 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 it, it, and it comes from the writers. It comes from the playwrights. We, these plays, the great plays that have been in my life, all began in somebody's living room, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. where they began. And, and it, we... The only reason, the only reason those plays began in the living room is because they wanted to see them done somewhere in public. And it isn't just a matter of having the theaters open now, but it's like, who's going to go? Right. Who's going to go to the theater? Because it's not something. One thing that we have learned during the pandemic, during COVID, is that we are addicted to putting, to doing less. Uh, the more difficult something is, we give up if if we can. It, it's like we sit back and we go, like, okay, this is hard. Yeah, I'm just. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Challenge, I'm not gonna go to this. I haven't been to a symphony in like two and a half years. I gotta and, tell you, Stephen, really quickly, really quickly. I went to my first live music uh, concert. Uh, two nights in a row, Suzanne Vega, who I adore, oh, who I worship. Yes. Um, yeah. I, she played two nights here in Chicago. She played at the Old Town School of Folk in Chicago. And then the next night she played at Space in Evanston. And I went both nights. 
and I and I worship her. I you know uh, she knows how much I love her. I actually got got to talk to her uh, Monday night after the show briefly, um, and uh, so uh, that was my first time in a in a venue watching live music, and I couldn't think of a better person to come back to than Suzanne. Um, and it's again, it's magical. It really is. I don't know. I mean, everybody from Suzanne Vega on stage to her accompaniment to everybody in the house, it all felt like, wow, this is incredible. We didn't know how much we missed it. You know what I mean? We had no mm-hmm. idea how much we missed it until she started singing. And then I was like, man, I missed this. You yeah. Know? And, and my only hope is you, you don't know at a certain point how much damage has been done to the supply chain in terms of plays and small theater and plays and people having a dream to put this out there and create you don't know how much damage has been done and i'm just waiting to see i'm mm-hmm. i'm trying to get involved with a theater project now that is really wonderful and we started it <laughs> In our living room. There you go. We started it in our living room. Uh, Jamie Brandley, who's a wonderful, wonderful writer. Uh, She won the Humanitas Prize here in L.A. before the pandemic for her works. It's it's so funny. I would... Anne was directing several of Jamie's plays. And Jamie always writes these hilarious plays about horrible subjects. Horrible, horrible subjects. Funny plays about uh, child abuse in the family, about losing a child. I mean, you can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah, yeah. And the plays are so heartbreaking and so beautiful. And so the first time I met Jamie, we, we went, she, Anne was directing her play, and it was just gorgeous, just gorgeous. And we went out to eat. And had so I'm talking to Jamie and she's asking me and I I said like Jamie you have such a weird approach to writing you're able to write these plays that are so funny but have embraced such horrible themes and how did that happen and she said well I have a couple idols uh Susan Vogel and Beth Henley uh I don't know if you ever heard of Beth Henley she wrote crimes of the heart and I'm and I'm sitting there and I go yeah yeah so what well, well Beth Henley would always write these subjects like that play you know is a a, a girl who shoots her husband because she didn't like the way he looked and uh you know there's about insanity and suicide yeah, yeah. Yeah. and all sorts of things in that play and and I go, no, I, I know the play. And then Anne interrupts. <laughs> Anne interrupts and goes, Jamie, Stephen knows Beth. <laughs> Good for Anne. He knows man. the play. He yeah. knows the play, Crimes yeah. of the Heart, too. Move on. Move on. Move we know. On. <laughs> we know. But it's, you know, it's amazing how the torch is passed in yeah. certain ways. And that's all we can hope. Yeah. Is is that it's like in Lord of the Rings that the embers of that of those torches are still burning somehow after all of this I, I, isolation. I, would, I hope so. I really do. I do want to mention uh, that people can still see you. you. You mentioned the Goldbergs. Can I just mention that you get to work with one of my favorite comedic actresses uh, in life? Uh, you get to work with Mandy McClendon Covey, who went. She is unbelievable for, for my money, and I love Bridesmaids. I love everybody in Bridesmaids. 
she steals that movie. She's the she's, I think the best perform the funniest performance in Bridesmaids is Wendy's, and she's consistently hilarious on Goldberg's. And you guys together, hilarious magic. We we have Wendy and I have such a great time. And let me just throw this out there: if we're throwing stuff out there about Wendy, yeah, uh, she is as good as they come. Not only in terms of comedy and being an actress that you work with, in terms of being the head of a cast where she supports everyone in the show. She makes everybody feel welcome. She makes everybody feel like they belong. And it always comes from the top. I find it's going into its 10th year now, the Goldbergs. Isn't that amazing? Wow. These shows, and like The Office, shows like this cannot work without greatness of character at the top, not just greatness of funny, but greatness of character. And Wendy is just spectacular. Just yeah. spectacular. I, she's, she's wonderful. I, listen, she's got, my, she's, she's got my favorite line in Bridesmaids. My favorite line in Bridesmaids is, I cracked a blanket in half when she's talking about... <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah. And from what I understand, she improvised that line. And, and uh, I just... It's my favorite... I cracked a blanket in half. And she's just trying to discuss with her friends how desperately horrible it is to live with a bunch of boys and men. I just... Just that image alone, I cracked a blanket in half. But that's... It's got to be great. You guys work together so well. I want to plug a couple of other things here. Um, yeah. you, you're on an episode of Grace and Frankie. You did an episode of Grace and Frankie. Come on now. How was that? That was great because I got to do all... Jane wasn't on that episode, but I got to do all my Sam Waterston uh, <laughs> questions. I got to do all my Lily questions. And, you, you know, you you just go there and you go, can I do, Lily, can I ask you these questions? Yeah. You know, can I do Lily questions? And she was go, yes. I, and was saying, oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I was just saying, I got to interview one of the, one of the highlights, seriously, besides interviewing you on a regular basis, Stephen. <laughs> uh, I got to interview Lily Tomlin, and I was... <sighs> I was just beside myself, and she could not have been more amazing. It was a, it was wonderful, and um, you know, but she was great working with her. Is great. I do want to mention Minx. You showed up on an episode of Minx. Yeah, and Minx is the story of the creation. Basically, it's a, a, of a fictional version, but basically the creation of Playgirl magazine um, with uh, uh, Jake. Uh, oh God, Jake Johnson. Uh, Fabulous. In Fabulous. the lead, and I didn't know you were on it. And I'm watching an episode. There, there you are on Minx. Was that fun to do? That was that was fun to do. It was the first episode, so those are always difficult to do. Yeah, uh, it's. I was w- wearing uh, actual antique clothing. You know, they got the actual clothes from the eighties or seventies or whatever it was. Yeah, which meant that you couldn't alter the fabric because the fabric would rip because it was so thin and old. So I had to wear a male girdle for that show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They gave me a male girdle, and as the customer's fitting me, she says, have you ever tried a Manx before? I go, no. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, see, try this, and if you really like it, I can get you one for your personal use. And I said, not necessary. Won't be needing it for my personal use. Married 33 you, years. I was going to say, did you, need to did impress you, anyone? I was going to say, did you ask Ann about that? Did you pass no, that one? No, I, I, <laughs> no Manx. And then, and then the reviews come out. The reviews come out. Of course, whenever you do a show, you have no idea it's going to be a hit or not. Yeah. So we're doing Manx. And of course, the cast is wonderful. The director's wonderful. Our script was very funny. And then I'm seeing the reviews. Uh, Manx scores with cavalcade of penises. 
And I'm going, what? And I'm like, I'm looking at this. I'm going, wait, 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 hold it. What? And wait a minute. I'm reading this and they go, and you have more penises per square foot of any series on television. I'm going, wait a minute. There was not one penis in my episode. Did you, did you, you, know? did you, did you, did you flash back and go, oh shit, did I take my pants off during no. that? I don't remember. <laughs> what? Wait, I was wearing a Manx, but I could have cut off blood in, to my brain. You were wearing a Manx, no. you were wearing a Manx in Minx. That's how, that's how, that's how it worked. It oh, was, man. oh gosh, but I'm so glad it's, it's successful because those people are really nice yeah. and, I love the writer, and uh, it was, I mean, the biggest thing I remember is that we were shooting on a hill, and so all the trailers were on hills, which meant if I lay down on my trailer <laughs> bed, I would roll off onto the floor, <laughs> and I made the mistake, the critical mistake of trying to pee in the toilet, uh, standing up. This, this, this is a terrible mistake when you're on a hill. Because, like, the angle of gravity, you know, you have to aim toward the sink, and then you actually watch the stream curve in midair and come. It's it's like Dr. J, you know, like shooting from the top of the key. You know, it's like, whoa, how did that get in there? It was. It so, was. so here's the lesson that I'm getting from this, Stephen. You wore a girdle and you peed sitting down. Forget sitting down. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I slept on the floor of the trailer because it couldn't fall off of anything. Fantastic. Listen, uh, Stephen, this just flew by so quickly. Um, Tobolowskifiles.com. Tell us all about that. That's your podcast. You do a bunch of podcasts. You're, you're very successful in the world of podcasts. You're one of my podcast heroes. And I only wish that I could do a show that is even a third as remotely as possibly nearly as good as yours. But it's ToblowskiFiles.com. How often do you do it and where can people hear it? Well, there are 99 episodes. If you go to ToblowskiFiles.com, what I do is I began when I broke my neck uh, just writing these stories because the doctor told me I had a fatal injury is what he told me. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, well, I will write, since it's not fatal, I will write the stories of my life for my kids. And so I started writing these true stories from my life, all sorts of either showbiz or falling in love stories or breakup stories or heartbreak stories. And I be, David Chen, uh, who was a student at Harvard at the time, wanted to know if I had done any storytelling besides Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party, and I mentioned these. He said, let's record them. So we began recording them as the Tobolowsky Files. David Chen produced them, and they ended up, uh, somebody from NPR uh, heard them and said, oh, can we put them on our station? And so the Tobolowsky Files ended up on NPR stations all over the country. Then, uh, of course, with the internet, it ended up all over the world, and so David and I have done this for free, uh, uh, 99 episodes now, most of which have been on various NPR stations, and I'm writing a new series of stories as we speak. That's awesome. Well, Stephen, listen, uh, we're going to do this again. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen. I can't, I mean, as long as you, if you're cool with coming back on a semi-regular basis. As long, is- as, as long as you're on the other end of the microphone and I'm able to hear that uh, Jason Skaggs uh, theme song. Okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, Steven, thank you. Everybody, check out ToblowskiFiles.com. Uh, we will talk again soon. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end it with playing Jason's theme again one more time, okay? <sighs> Here we go. Here we go. This is to close out. Steven, thank you, my friend. 
Thank you, Nick. Okay. Thank you so much. And here's your theme. Cocaine and blue ice. I heard a voice last night. It was a cast of thousands. Stephen Tobolowski. He was named the head. Stephen Tobolowski. Did you hear what I just said? Stephen Tobolowski. Whistling belly button trick. Stephen Tobolowski. Bing. Stephen Tobolowski. Bing again. Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> It's a doozy. Stephen All right. Uh, thank you, Tobo. That was fantastic. Tobolowskifiles.com. Uh, He's the best. Uh, and you know who else is the best? Is Esmeralda Leon. She rules. And let's say hello to her officially. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda Leon in that funky song Join me every lovely episode Although you did have Tuesday off Because it was the first of the month Esmeralda And we had uh, Herb and Tom talking about For the people and helping people out With their money and their car situations And uh, welcome back Well thank you so much Ah, hey, you know what? <laughs> you and I got to yes. see each other. We actually got to see oh, each other face right. to face in the flesh for the first time in over two years. It, yeah. Wasn't that awesome? It was lovely. And we live, it's funny because we live so close to each other. We do. And we never see each other. <laughs> you know, we talk, we talk on the phone. We text each other all the time in prep for, mm-hmm. you know, when we do the show. And we, you know, we are on the show, on the, on the podcast. We do it twice a week. Uh, but we have not seen each other face to face since the la- to, since the last time you came down to the WGN studios to do my overnight show before right before the pandemic. Yes, yeah, and it was great to see you, Esmeralda. It was so much fun. Same, and, and we had a great time. And I think we might have drove the woman behind the counter a little crazy. Um, <laughs> well, we were the only people in there for a long time. We were, we were at this great place called JT's. Gourmet sandwich shop is that what it's called? Genuine uh, JT's shop. genuine sandwich shop with an and, e, uh, like two p's and an e. Shop. Yes. Yeah. Very. No. 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 That no? one's that one's just s h o p. Uh. No. Yeah. It's all regular words. Okay. So for it's some J- reason JT's genuine sandwich shop. Yes. For a second, on... I thought genuine was written without an e at the end, but no, it is not. That is genuine sandwich shop. <laughs> JT's genuine. How do you spell it? It's on Elston near Irving, um, which is walking distance from yes. my, my so, apartment. So, yeah, exactly. It is uh, at 3970 North Elston. And, and they actually so just, uh, well, no, they were nominated for uh, the Gene Banchette Award, which I believe is just like a local, uh, a local type of thing. Yeah. Uh, like awards and stuff Um for the neighborhoods in Chicago, I think it's just Chicago, or maybe like the so it f- maybe so Midwest. But they were nominated for a like local restaurant, neighborhood so, restaurant. So, like neighborhood, did they specify? Was it Old Irving? Old Irving Park? Was it that? Because it's in Old Irving Park. 
No, it was like a bunch of different. I saw the, I had seen the, um, the list. Okay. Of the nominees, and they were kind of all over the place. It was everywhere. Okay. Well, this place is great. The place is great. Uh, I've only had one sandwich from there, but I plan on going there. You know, I didn't really even know it existed really, um, mm-hmm. until you said, "Hey, let's meet there." Um, and so we did, and you you had the, what did you have, the pork? You had a pork. Uh, we both had pork, which was odd, I, I had think. a pork and, pork and greens, pork and greens uh, sandwich, and it was like sliced thin pork loin, super tender, yeah. with rapini, mm. if you know what rapini is, or um, broccoli rob, it's yeah. also known as. Yeah. And I had the Your pork- broccoli the- rob, if you remember. Bro- broccoli rob, I do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he worked with you. He did. Broccoli the- <laughs> rob. That's right. On the morning show. That's right. Um, and I had the pork tenderloin, uh, the deep fried pork tenderloin sandwich, you know, the, the flattened out beautiful pork tenderloin sandwich, uh, deep fried. Um, uh, and it was one of those big pork tenderloin sandwiches that hangs over the side of the bun. Uh, and it was delicious. It was it was delicious. So we had a great. We had some sandwiches. We hung out. We ended up uh, hanging out for a while. And one of the main reasons that we met one, we hadn't seen each other in the flesh in over two years. And two, mm-hmm. I had to get you a big bag of candy that was sent yes. to, to us. Um, and we had done a few uh, episodes ago. Esmeralda and I talked about it was Easter. We were talking about it was during the Easter mm-hmm. uh, uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Easter candy and bad candy. And we were talking about this article that listed a bunch of the worst, most evil, kind of disgusting, nasty-ass candy you could possibly imagine. We had a lot of fun talking about that. Um, and our old friend, uh, uh, Deanna, who has been a listener of my show for years, who is one of the most generous, amazing people ever. Yeah, I mean, you, you know Deanna, Deanna always sends you know like crazy stuff to us. Yeah, um, no, it's great. She's, she's very... An, she's, She's very interactive with our shows. And she's amazing. And she's really kind and lovely and has always been really, really nice to me. Always gets me really cool stuff for my birthday. I don't know why she does it, uh, but like she gets me really cool shit for my birthday and for Christmas and yeah, stuff. She's better she- than like people that we know intimately. No, exactly. Exactly. She's amazing <laughs> and a big family, fan. Family and friends. She's better so than she, them. She went online. <laughs> And found a ton of really shitty candy, like the the really scary, terif- terrifying candy, and sent it to us in a big giant package. And yeah. she actually split it up. She gave you half and gave me half. And so today will be the first time we actually will do it live. We've never tasted this stuff before, correct, Esmeralda? Never. No, never, never. So we will taste some of the weird, awful, crazy-ass candy live uh, to taste test it and we'll tell you what we're testing and what we're tasting and there will be pictures that we will throw up on the internets and the social medias and stuff and again a massive thank you to uh to diana who is just an amazing person she just moved away from chicago she lived here forever and now she moved away um oh. yeah and she was kind enough to send us all this crazy candy and we got it and you'll see pictures of it up on our uh, social media and all that stuff so we're going to taste test really terrible nasty candy Yay! <laughs> but it was great. To, it was great to see you, Esmeralda. It was so much fun, man. Yeah, you too. You um, know what? Um, yeah. I was just thinking, maybe they're not so bad. We might. We should probably see this on the bright side. Maybe we'll find a candy. We'll we'll taste a candy that we're like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. 
Uh, that's a that's Just a very trying to think positive here. That's the very <laughs> glass half full kind of way of looking at it. Yes. So yeah. I mean, I like pickles. <laughs> I do too. I like. Don't know if they belong in candy. That all these. Right. Everything that these these candies are gross about, I enjoy. They don't necessarily think, belong flavor-wise. in candy. Yeah, that's the question. Right. Well, we'll find out. Now, we'll I have, I have, we've, been, we were talking a little bit, uh, you know, before we started recording this, before we got on the air here, we were talking about which candies we were going to do. So we picked up because there's a ton of them. I mean, like a, the, we each got a giant bag. Deanna went nuts and got a ton of yes. candy for us. So we will be able to uh, savor this for over a few episodes. We can do this a bunch of times. Yeah, for sure. But we're gonna do, we're gonna do about five candies. We're gonna taste test about five of these candies today. Now, in preparation, mm-hmm. on my end, we each have uh, plenty of water. I have a, a, a large, yes. I have a large cup of water, and I have an empty Dixie cup um, wow. of water. I'm not that. I just have I, water. I, I have an empty Dixie <laughs> cup in case I need to spit something out. I just have that here, okay. just in case. <clears throat> so, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. I do want to mention a couple of things. Well, first of all, of course, this. Mm-hmm. I think I broke my ass. Right. <laughs> and, Did you? Uh oh! Wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh, love yeah. Nick's show. She has to stop okay. by. Hi, I'm Carrie Thanks, Russell, Carrie. and I oh, okay. love Nick's show. I know you. I know. Hi, I'm I know. Carrie All right. Russell, okay. and Thank I you, Carrie. love Nick's show. <laughs> mm-hmm. She'll be she'll Ooh. be outside if we need her. Yeah. She'll be. <laughs> Again, she will never <laughs> do my show ever. Um, oh my but God. I do want to mention this. This is something that I uh, that I uh, that I wanted to mention here. Um, Greg sent this and says, after, Greg sent this email and says, mm-hmm. after growing up in Oak Park and living in Chicago for my entire life, four years uh, ago, I got a promotion. And I reluctantly moved to Texas. I was so happy when you started up your podcast so I can follow you now. I also follow you on Facebook uh, and on the Internet. You are amazing, and I truly admire you working through your past struggles to come out on top with great success. I don't know about the great success part, but okay. Uh, <laughs> with all the well, crap- you're here. You're here I, and you're yeah. living. That, well, I'll tell you something. For a while there, I didn't know I was going to be, and I'm not fucking around. Um, we'll see. Well, with- you're here and you're living, so there's that. <laughs> it says, with all the crap going on in the world, your story is inspirational for people going through tough times. Now, one funny thing that goes through my mind whenever I hear Esmeralda's theme song mm-hmm. is a line that Ted Knight has in Caddyshack. Now, Esmeralda... Because you're not a, a, a dipshit man in his late 40s or 50s, you don't know every line from Caddyshack. No, I right. don't. Right, because you have much more know. important things to do. But m- m- us men who are in our 50s and 40s, we know mm-hmm. every line to Caddyshack. That's mm-hmm. kind of a proven fact. If, okay. if, if you're a man of a certain generation and you don't know every line of, Caddy, every line of Caddyshack, the movie, uh, you're an idiot. That's how you're perceived. <laughs> So I wow. knew exactly what line he was talking about. Now, there's a line that Ted Knight has in this movie. Let me play the line, okay? Okay. And then I will tell you the context of which this takes place in the movie, okay? But this mm-hmm. line, according to Greg, who is with us from Texas, said, every time I hear Esmeralda's theme, I think of this line from Caddyshack. And this, is, again, <clears throat> is Ted Knight. So listen closely, Esmeralda. I'll play it a couple times. You ready? Okay. Here we go. I'll give you asthma. <laughs> Wait, one more time. One more time. Hold on. Listen. I'll give you asthma. I'll give you asthma? Yeah, wait. Hold on. I'll give you asthma. I'll give you asthma. 
Okay. I mean, I hear it. I hear right. what he's okay. going for. All right. <laughs> so, so here's he, for some reason, Greg, our, our 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 lovely subscriber, thinks of that line, and the line in the movie happens because Ted Knight, Judge Smales, mm-hmm. is telling his nephew Spalding, who is a real real dickhead, that they're going to play golf, and he doesn't want to play golf at all. The, Spalding, his nephew, doesn't want to play golf and says, what about my mm-hmm. asthma? And then his reply, mm-hmm. Ted, Ted Knight's reply is, I'll give you asthma. That's his line. Just, he's trying to tell Got him it. that he's going to play golf, you little asshole. And then so he says, but, da- but uh, what about my asthma? I'll give you asthma. Okay, so that's the response. And so every time he hears the theme, your song, he hears yes. Ted Knight. I'll give you asthma. So there's another, uh, <laughs> there's another little clip that we can play uh, on the show. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's so it's very, uh, just very small. Like, not small. What it? What, what's the word? What's the word, listeners? Um, uh, insignificant. Oh, it's it's. You mean like for somebody to remember that line? Yeah. Yeah. It's so <laughs> for them it, to it, get reminded by this well, by this thing. Again, Esmeralda, need I I must I guess I need to remind you of how ridiculous men are when it comes to Caddyshack. I, I I'm mm, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um No, I, I, I yeah, I believe it. And I'm guessing that Greg is around my age or you know, maybe a little bit younger or a little bit older, because because I was fifteen when Caddyshack came out. I had that movie memorized by the time I was sixteen. Oh boy. And I was sixteen. 40 years ago. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's 40 years of watching Caddyshack and knowing every single nuance, break, line, pause, everything. So right. when he said, wow. Hey, there's a scene, you know, when he's like, Hey, I, I listened to Esmeralda's uh, theme and it reminds me of a line in Caddyshack. I immediately knew the line, Esmeralda. That's how geeky. <laughs> wow. That's- yeah, I know, I know. It's pathetic, but it's just here. here and I immediately was like, "Oh, I know." I'll give you asthma. That's the that's the line. So, anyway, just for your enjoyment, Esmeralda, we now can think of yeah, Caddyshack no, thank you. Every time, hey, it's Mother's Day, Mother's Day weekend. Anything? Yes. Uh, anything happening uh, with you for your mom? No, I forgot oh. about it. Oh no! Well, you still got time. It's only th- fr- uh, Friday. It's not Thursday. It's True. Not Thursday. It's Friday. Well, then, so what? Um, it how it is for me is that we kind of celebrate both uh, oh, U.S. I see. You Mother's do both Day uh-huh. and Mexico Mother's Day because Mexico Mother's Day is May tenth. Oh, okay. Well, Mexico so is it then, May tenth all the time, so it's not on a Sunday because. Uh no, it's it doesn't go by believe it doesn't go by um whatever sunday because i think it's you know the I mean? first it's the like there theirs goes by like a date oh i see so I whatever, whatever, whatever day may of the 10th. week it falls on it's may 10th whatever week whatever yes. day of the week because for us it's like either the first or second sunday in may is mother's day it's always on a sunday for americans yeah yeah okay this so yeah so sometimes it did, i think last year it did it on the might same have day? landed mm-hmm Okay, but usually it does not. Okay, so you or do. Usually you it's do, like a day do, later. You do or both fa- Father's Day and Mother's Day on the same at the same time. No, 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 just Mother's Day. Oh, just Mother's Day. Okay, oh, Father's Mexico Day. Mexico Mother's Day. Okay, uh, but that's not till June. Father's Day is in June. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know when Father's Day Mexico is. 
We don't. Okay. We don't count that one. Just my, <laughs> just Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, we don't do that. I don't one. know. Just crack Funny me enough. Up. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Now your dad's like, I don't care. Yeah, no, I don't even yeah. think he remembers All right. when Father's Day is. Well, we're doing Mother's Day. We do it on Saturday because, um, mm. you know, it's always pretty crazy on Sunday. But we always go to Gale Street Inn. It's where we celebrate everything. Oh, very nice. So my mom and my dad and I are going to go to Gale Street Inn on Saturday, tomorrow, um, to have a bunch of great food and have a great time. George Cars is my main man. Gale Street Inn, as you know, is the greatest restaurant on mm-hmm. the planet, as I've said many yeah. times. And uh, GaleStreet.com, check it out. Uh, the food is amazing. Everybody knows that they've got the best ribs ever. And everything else on the menu is fantastic. And there's always weekend specials. And I always go there and I'm excited. And I always try to try something that I've never tried before, which is almost impossible considering I've gone there 8 million times and I've tried everything. Right. And it's all good. But this is Mother's Day weekend and I can't think of a better place to celebrate it uh, than um, than, uh, at the Gale Street Inn. And they do do the curbside delivery or not delivery, but they do curbside. You can, uh, you know, uh, order online. Uh, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, very nice. Uh, so, but yeah, we're going Saturday. Saturday afternoon, we'll be at Gale Street Inn, uh, GaleStreet.com. George Cars is my main man. I can't think of a better way to celebrate Mother's Day than going to Gale Street. So, very nice. Okay, now going from good food, are we ready to <laughs> take a dive into this? Yes. All right. So, again, uh, our thanks to Deanna. Deanna, you are the best. I love you. Yes, You're awesome. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you so much for, I don't know, I don't know, 15 years worth of sending us stuff. And sending me gifts on Christmas and on birthdays and all that stuff. Uh, amazing. Crazy. You know, you know, she got me an actual frog that was used in Magnolia. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. Because at the end of Magnolia, there is a, a, a the, the skies rain down, frogs rain down from the sky in the last part of Magnolia, which is my favorite movie ever. And she got me an actual prop frog that was used for real in the movie. Yeah, that's amazing. It's insane. And she got me a giant statue of the... Of the uh, of the creature, the Anne Hathaway uh, giant uh, kaiju creature from from uh, uh, Colossal, from the movie Colossal, she got me that yeah. like a statue. It's on my coffee table. She's amazing, and she you know she's real. You know those people who have really who are very gifted at giving gifts. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people who who give stuff, and you go, man, like how who would ever think you know? Because I I I prattle on about so much stupid shit, Esmeralda. You know that. <laughs> You know, like after a while, you, everybody I know just zones me out. There's like Nick's talking about fucking Magnolia again. Just let him talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she actually got me a frog prop from Magnolia. And she's one of those people. I'm not, I don't have that. Do you know people who have that kind of, that kind of gift of like, hey, I am a great, do you know people who are great gift givers where you're like, wow. Um, you know, I would say that probably some of the best gifts were when I was doing your show and you guys would get me stuff. Oh, right. And I know it was all mostly Dan Chagru. So I'm yeah. going <laughs> to... No, no. No, no, no. It wasn't... It was not, mostly you can... Dan Yeah, I was going to say, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on a second, Esmeralda. You can cut out the word mostly. I will... I will. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, oh my God, how did he even remember whatever yep. this and that? And I'm like, yeah. He's one of those guys. Dan Chagru is like like Deanna. He is one of those very thoughtful, I will mark it down in my head and use that the next time your birthday comes around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I'm like, uh, you want a you want a candy bar and a and a Coke? 
You know what I mean? That's like that's. Yeah, usually I'm just like, uh, do you want? I'll go get you something you want. What is it? Yeah, no, exactly. So you and I are the Tell same. Tell me because I don't know. You, okay, here's the thing. You and I are cut from the same cloth. Deanna and Dan are cut from that cloth, that other cloth. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, Deanna's actually, a wonderful person. Oh, um, this is this is past. Uh huh. Because we air this on Friday, but uh. Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, was, was Colin's yeah. birthday. Oh, it is? Today's... <clears throat> yesterday was yesterday. Colin's birthday? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't and, tell well, you what to get him. I could. Well, okay. What did you get? Did you get him anything? Nothing. Yesterday? No. My, did, my attention and love and everything I do for him, 365 days was of the not, year. I was not aware <laughs> that he was born on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, you know I who only else? remember because it is it's Cinco, Cinco de Mayo. De Mayo. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. You know who else shares has a birthday on Cinco de Mayo? Who's that? The great Mark Caro, the the fantastic writer from the Chicago Tribune, who uh, did a mm. bunch of fill in. He did a lot of fill ins at WGN uh, with Chris Jones, uh, old buddy of mine. Uh, you know, member of the Film Critic Association. I've known Mark for many years. He's a terrific writer. He has a podcast as well. Uh, wonderful guy. Born on, uh, I did not know his, I, I always forget every year when it pops up, I'm like, oh, he's born on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. That's so. the only ways I'll really remember people's birthdays. Well, happy birthday to Colin then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Happy belated birthday. All right. You know what? You should take him to the Gale Street Inn at galestreet.com. I, yes, I actually should. I don't think he's, no, no, no. We have been there. We have been there and it was lovely. Like together. Yeah. I'd been there on separate occasions. Right. Um, but it was, yeah, no. He loves that place. I good idea. See? Things I don't think about. Yeah. All right, there you go. All right. Well, anyway, Deanna was thinking she listens to the podcast. I mean, seriously, she's our biggest fan. She might be the biggest fan of what was once my overnight show and what is now my podcast. She's a lovely human. And so she sent us this candy. So shall we let's do this. Let's let's we've put it off long enough. Yes. Let's taste some <laughs> that of this. What is this? <laughs> I think that's what I really seriously, I think that's what it is. Let's taste some of this shit. Okay. All right? What shall all right. we try first? All right. Why don't we, since I'm going to open it right now, let's just get right into this. The, it's a candy cane. Right? Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get one of the nasty ones out of the way. Archie, <laughs> Archie McPhee. Archie McPhee is the company. Yes. And they, they just do a lot of weird stuff. They do like, fun, aside from candy, like if you go to their website, Archie McPhee, oh, I'm sorry, McPhee.com, you can find a million things um, in terms of animals. Like if, you know, they have just all the weird, silly stuff that you'll see right. online, you will most likely find it at Archie McPhee. You know, they have inflatable unicorn horns for cats. Oh, good. They have little hats for cats. All right. Um, they have all the weird candy. They have, I'm <laughs> assuming, they're going to have unicorn poop. I would imagine have so. Have you ever heard of that? I have, yes. So um, what we have here from Archie McPhee, and it's McPhee.com, yeah. right? McPhee.com? Yes. Okay. So you can get your own sour cream and onion candy canes. <laughs> so we, we are going to try the sour cream and onion candy canes, and that's McPhee.com, which is M-C-P-H-E-E.com. It's yes. made in China for Archie McPhee, according to the box. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Esmeralda, in case you're interested, uh, for nutritional info, you can call 425-349-3838. Oh, oh good. <laughs> so by the I, way, we, 
I feel like we're getting off easy because there is also a sardine candy cane. Ugh. So. <laughs> okay. No, see, now we're going to... No, hold on, because Deanna listens to this. I guarantee you that we're going to be getting Please sardine candy. <laughs> Please don't. Okay, I'm... are you... You ready to try no, this? Thanks. Yes. All right. I've opened up my package, and it is a candy yeah. cane, a regular size, regular candy oh, cane, yeah. white and green striped. You know. It's All right. Sour very cream and onion. Strong. Okay. Strong are we, smell. Are we ready to try it? You smell it. Just smell it. Oh man! Oh, oh it's man. so strong. Oh. It's like a bag of sour cream and onion. It chips. is like someone took. The French onion, sour cream, and onion dip and shoved it up your nostrils. All okay. right, are we ready to try Here it? Go. Yeah. Here we go. Uh. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Why does it taste like milk? Um, it has like a milk. Oh, you know why? Because it's sour cream. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty like gross. It. It's pretty gross. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. I'm not no, that it's... mad at it, but... No, it's gross. It's gross. You know what the worst part is? Is the aftertaste. It's like... It's kind of sweet. Yeah, but no. There's a really bad aftertaste. Oh, God. All right, I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm putting that in the hefty cup. That goes in the hefty cup. Um, oh, that's disgusting. You know what? Hefty... I'm kind of getting used to it. I uh, know. You know what? You're not going to get used to... Like, I was sucking on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, that's out of context. <laughs> if, we were, if we were still doing out of context. Um, and it's going to be left over on your lips. Like that, that terrible shit's going to be on your lips. Yum. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I feel like it's getting less um, uh-huh. like sour creamy oniony. Yeah. You keep talking while I puke. Uh-huh. This is not, you know what? It's the smell is worse than the actual taste. Well, I don't know about that. Jesus Christ. That wasn't that bad. <clears throat> that wasn't that bad. All right. Well, okay. I say so. All so, right. for, let's, so for let's sour go. cream. Sour cream. <laughs> oh, now you're ready to go. You're going. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I'll eat all this okay. weird stuff. So sour cream and onion uh, candy canes. You're you're you mm-hmm. say yes, I say no. Yeah, not a big, not 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 that mad at it. All right, I'm I'm angry. By the way, in there, um, the little description, it it's like candy. That's also a dip. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sure. <laughs> Let's try pickle cotton candy. Now this comes in Ooh, okay. A, re- a a resealable plastic container not unlike a Tupperware. Yes. And it's got a plastic seal over it after you open up the the the, the lid. So I'm peeling off And it's by uh, a company called Chocolate Storybook. So I looked up their little description. It says as our number surprise surprise as our number one bestseller. This treat is a pretty big dill. <laughs> oh. our, our pickle cotton candy captures that tart, tangy, mouth-puckering feel in a tub of freshly spun cotton candy. So, okay. yeah. All right. And I'm looking at it, and it's green. And it is the chocolate storybook pickle cotton candy. Now, I'm smelling it. And the this aromas- company does cotton, like, cotton candy is their thing. And they okay. have some that look much better, like like a churros, strawberry smoothie, hot chocolate. This is out of uh, Des Moines, by the way, Iowa. Oh. And it, the website, if you want to check it out, is mygourmetcottoncandy.com. So they specifically yes. do that, mygourmetcottoncandy.com. Well, you can do gift sets. 
Oh, yeah. that's a fun idea to do gift sets for this. Okay. All right. Not the pickle, maybe, but. <laughs> well, now, I will say this. In opening the, 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 the plastic container, it does not mm-hmm. smell that strong. It does not have the same aroma as that disgusting Yeah, I don't smell anything. So let me try to pop open this plastic. Oh, you got to get the plastic I didn't, open. I didn't, want the, I didn't want the odor to come out. It's not. No, I, it's open. I've got it open right Although, in front of my face. Oh, yeah, it doesn't the, really... No, it doesn't smell at all. It's not that strong. Yeah, it's not right. strong. Not like the sour cream. Okay. Not at all. So are you ready? Now, now here, here's the thing. Do, well, first of all, mm. you like pickles, yes? Yeah, I really okay. like pickles. I love I pickles. pickles. Pickles are one of my favorite things in the world. So I'm very excited to try this. So, okay, are we ready? This is the uh, pickle cotton candy. Ready? Yeah. And I'm taking a big bite. You ready? Here we go. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Mm. Not as strong of a pickle flavor. It's got it. Well, it's the essence of pickle for sure. Mm-hmm. It's essence pickle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> essence of pickle. Oh, I like it. It's. I'm. I am pro. I am pro pickle cotton candy. Yeah, this isn't bad. No, it's good. I like it. Mm. Mm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because the sugar, well, you know why? You know why, too? Because, like, do you like bread and butter pickles? I love them. Yep. Mm. Well, there you go, because they're yep. sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very similar. Yeah, yeah no, my, it's good. I, this is nice. It's good, man. <laughs> it's good. Chocolate Storybook, mm. pickle-flavored cotton candy, mygourmetcottoncandy.com. So that's a that's definitely a yes from both Esmeralda and myself, yes? Yeah. The pickle you cotton can get candy. It. You can get it from them in a mm-hmm. gift set that comes with a cherry berry and a juicy watermelon. That sounds Shit, so nice. Man, we're gonna have to. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a yes. I like that. I'm yeah. putting this aside because I'm going to eat it. Astounding yes. I'm going to eat it more later. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Since we're on the pickle thing, let's do the pickle candy. Okay. And again, this is also from Archie McPhee. Yes. As we mentioned and before, they were the. the does it uh, have a? Does it have a um, unsettling looking? It has a pickle, pickle man giving a thumbs up the... with. He's a scary looking pickle man with a thumb giving a. Yeah. He has gloves on. He has hands, which is terrifying, and, and feet, feet with weird <laughs> with weird boots, and he's wearing gloves with a thumbs up. But he looks like he will murder you. Yes. <laughs> um. So these so these candies look like, and they say it in their little descriptor. Uh, these green and white striped hard candies look like something grandma might keep in a crystal dish on the credenza. It's exactly what it looks uh, like, doesn't it? Exact, yeah, completely. Yep. yep. Or like a mint dinner mint. Yes, and it does look like the hard candy. The hard candy, and you know what? My my dad's eighty, my mom is seventy eight, and it looks exactly like a bunch of the candy they have on their coffee table. That's all. I'm Do they? <laughs> yeah, no, they have hard candy. My dad is the king of candy, Esmeralda. You know that. Like he'll get, he'll give okay. candy to people at Jewel. Sometimes I gotta see. Like he'll go into places and go, well, "You want some candy to girls?" And I'll go, "Dad, don't." It's like don't give the children. Candy. Don't don't do that. Not and to young women, like in their you know, like nineteen year old women yeah. here, enjoy some candy. I'm like, no, Dad, you can't. Candy. Yeah, exactly. Candy, little girl. I'm like, Dad, please. Candy. <laughs> okay. So right. so they come in individually right bat, wrapped. Yes. Okay. Right off the bat, does not smell. Okay, I haven't opened. Let me I, open my individual because okay. I don't got get the, a. I don't. It comes in a the tin. Box. Let me just say that. Yeah, it's, you have they, a nice tin. All of these candies from uh, uh, McPhee there, 
they come in a tin container, uh, the different flavored candies we have. So, all right, let me open this up. Yeah, there's no smell. I don't really smell a, uh, a pickle, a distinct pickle flavor. Yeah. All right, well, here it all is. Right. Hard candy. Ready? Pickle candy. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't really taste... This one's a little little disappointing. Yeah. I I wanted pickle. Yeah. This is not pickle. It's Mm -hmm. there, but... It's more sweet than anything. Like, there's no... Mm -hmm. It's not bad. It's not not an unpleasant tasting candy. Well, because it just tastes like sugar. Yeah. Sugar with hints of, like, pickle in the background. Now... If I had to choose a pickle product, I would definitely go with the cotton candy over this. Mm. I would yes. definitely go with the cotton candy over this. Definitely. I would also, I'd eat these. Yeah, it's not like, bad. These are fun. Like, they're not terrible. Like, someone gave me one pickle candy. I'd be like, mm, now, okay. I will say this. It's the same company. It's the McPhee company. It's the same company that did the sour cream and onion, which I thought was disgusting. The sour cream and onion candy cane. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I enjoy, I, the pickle candy is fine. And there's... It's not. It, it doesn't have an overwhelming pickle taste, though. So, yeah, you know what? As I'm, so I I took the pickle candy. I didn't finish it. Yeah, but it I'm looks spitting, like I'm spitting it into my cup. It looks like the like the green, which I'm assuming is the pickle. Yeah, bit, is just disappearing. So then I'm sure at a certain point you just get sweet. Oh yeah, no no no, that's right. I noticed it as I spit it out into the cup. God, and I can still smell like that. Some... I can still smell that goddamn candy cane. Oh, <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, I mean, sour cream and onion is a strong. But I flavor. love sour cream and onion. Oh, all right. So, so yeah, you know yeah, how it I gets mean, when you pi- eat a bag of that. That's what it's. It's you know what it's like. Is like that candy cane is like uh, having someone who just ate a bunch of sour cream and onion dip breathe in your mouth. Oh, see, that's terrible. That's what, it's, that's what it's you, li- That's what I'm saying. You can that's love. How- <laughs> you can love sour cream and onion, but you don't need people just your right. back breath. Right. <laughs> okay, let's move on to cummies. Okay. Oof. All right. Now, the, the, there was what we, what, what, uh, what the the uh, the inspiration for this one was. There were uh, spermies. We had, we mm-hmm. were talking about spermies, and they were candies right. that were shaped like sperm. Well, Deanna couldn't find that, but she could find cummies. Yeah. Same C-U-M-M. thing. Same thing. Yeah, except obviously, uh, you know, a, a little, you know, a little more raunchy because it's called cummies. Um, right. It's sperm shaped. I feel shaped like you could gummies. find this at a you could find this at a Spencer's. A yeah. Spencer's in, gifts. in the in the bachelorette <laughs> party, you know, like in yes. the headquarters for your bachelorette party. Yes. So it's sperm. It's sperm shaped gummies that are soft and chewy from hot products with two T's. Ooh. Mm hmm. Of course. And they're so I've, I've just opened up the package and it's a bunch of like soft, chewy candies that are white and they're shaped like sperm. Yeah. And they're very large. They are. So let's try one. And it also. Okay. <laughs> so now I got to. Uh, I got to. Okay. Oh, here we go. All right. And by the way, these are pina colada oh. flavored. Pina colada oh. flavored. They don't smell nice. They do not. Hey, but it says on the package, our cummies are yummy. Ugh. And the and this says our cummies are yummy, and it's written over a white splat. There's a big white white splat yeah. stain. <laughs> All right, you ready? 
Pina colada flavor. Boy, pina colada flavored gummies. I wonder what this person's diet was. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I'm like, <laughs> I've encountered real gummies in this. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not what they smell. No, like. no, absolutely. I don't know. It depends on this person. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's the. You know what it is, Esmeralda? Here's what it is. This is this is these are the uh, the Cinco de Mayo flavored gummies, <laughs> right? Pina colada. This is somebody. This is yeah. a man who has. This is a man who just celebrated Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. He's okay. Are we ready? Cancun. Here we go. Cummies. <laughs> oh, by right. the by the way, if you look at them, they have faces. They do. Oh yeah. They have faces. <laughs> yeah, the little guys have faces. Okay. Oh gosh. These are really rubbery. Hmm. <laughs> Um, they're not bad. They're not bad. It's really careful with your your um, yeah, tooth. Well, that's why I gotta spit this one out. I mean, if you have any teeth, uh, um, machinery, like what do you cup, call it? <laughs> like dental work. If you have like a filling mm-hmm. or caps or something, you're gonna you're gonna lose it. It's not bad. I mean, it doesn't taste bad. The consistency is a little way too rubbery and chewy for me, especially if you have if you don't want to get shit caught in your teeth. It's one of the reasons we were talking about. Remember, we were talking about milk duds and stuff like that, and I choose not to mm-hmm. eat those because of the dental issues. This is one that I would choose not to eat. Yeah, they're lying. They say soft and chewy. They're not mm-hmm. soft at all. They're chewy as hell. Um, I will say though, better than the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you asthma. Uh huh. A little more chewy, but uh huh. Jeez, Jesus! I hope it's more chewy. I don't know. What we... God damn! I was gonna. Who you? Who have you been? What's what? What? What's Colin been eating? I don't even. The word chewy should not. <laughs> oh, it's like all stuck in my. No. Well, okay. Okay. Uh, I I would vote no simply because of the. Uh, the rubbery, chewy factor. Well, oddly, you know what? How ironic is it that something something that's supposed to be sperm tastes like rubber? See what I'm saying? See what I did there? Whoa. It tastes like tastes like rubber. Hey. But they're too too uh-huh. chewy. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yeah, all right, I Carrie. Yeah, love all right. Nick's yeah, okay. show. All right. She heard the. She heard my <laughs> She's name. Like, that's and, my cue. She heard my name in cummies and went, "Hey!" All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I say no to cummies. Yeah, no, I'm out. Okay. No thanks. Cummies. They're they're just a li- <laughs> just slightly chewier than the real thing. They're, <laughs> they're all stuck in my teeth. <laughs> I love that's how you described it. It's a little chewier than the real thing. Oh, really? Uh, somebody might want to go to the doctor. I uh, I think. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So let's move on to bacon. All right. Bacon candy. Okay. Mm-hmm. This again is from Andy McPhee and, uh, Archie, they, Archie, right. Andy McPhee. Why am I thinking? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Andy McDowell from, uh, I was just, <laughs> I was, you know why as brother, I was just talking to Stephen Tobolowsky who was in Groundhog Day with Andy, Andy McDowell. So I think that's probably what was in my head. Um, Andy McPhee. No, Archie, that's, uh, yeah, different person. Different person. Archie McPhee again. We've talked about that a lot. And the bacon candy has a pig on it, 
and it and, and it's got all of the you know how you have the, the the drawing of the pig and it's like here's where the ham is here's where the shoulder is here's where the, well right in the yes. middle of the pig that's where the candy is according to this oh that's where the candy is so again Yummy. individually wrapped like your mom's mm-hmm. uh, your candy your and mom- this is your your mom's candy <laughs> which is chewier than it should be your mom's candy <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh okay. boy. Are you ready? Bacon mm-hmm. candy. It's a hard candy. Yes. Hard. All right, here we go. All right. All right. Uh, uh, it just tastes smoked. Yeah. Um, I'm not really getting bacon. A little bit. Which I was kind of expecting. A little mm. bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's more, I get more smokiness flavor. Yeah, it's like a sweet, smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. Again, not bad. Yeah, but not great. Like, not I don't want to, eh. Yep. Just not, not as strong. God damn it. Every time I bring this cup to my nose, that sour cream and onion, I'm going to have to throw this, I'm going to have to directly <laughs> take this to the dumpster. <laughs> oh, no. The squirrels are going to find that. Oh, I'm going to have, I can't put this in my garbage can overnight. You know, my garbage isn't full. In my kitchen, so I can't. It's not gonna rot. I'm gonna. I don't want it to smell. I don't want it to start stinking up my goddamn kitchen. Wow. All right. So the bacon candy, it's not terrible, but still kind of a no. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the last one, Esmeralda. Now we were saving. Okay. This is the one that we have to get our courage up for. Yes. This one isn't just okay. All right. So in explain what this is, and thank you very much, Deanna, for this, because goddamn it, this is going to be tough. All right. They're crickets. They're, They're crickets. crickets. They're real They're crickets. crickets. They're straight up crickets. Yeah. Oh. And then and then what I think what makes it like gr- like just gross to me is that they're in pieces. They've been like because yeah. they, you know, travel and whatever. Mine They're just my, like mushed up, like smashed up and powdery and then like just pieces. Mine are a little bit a more cricket. whole. I think yours had a difficult time during right. travel than mine. Because yes. mine are almost mine are kind of whole. My my crickets are still the legs are there. See, I feel like that's better than I like, don't. The pieces. I don't know if it's better. It certainly <laughs> doesn't make me want to eat them. All right, so we're we're talking about these are actual crickets. Do we have like a company? Hot Licks is the company. Oh, there you go. Hot out Licks, of Grover Beach, L-I-X. California. L I X Hot Licks out of Grover Beach, California. Okay. So I will say this. They're in many cultures, many cultures, peebly crickets. It's yes. fine. Yes. Um, in Mexico, really, they do a lot of like with um, in tacos and dips. You, they put them in yep. guacamole and yep. they're like crunchy and like lovely. I know. We'll see. Well, uh, now, hold it. Now, oh, we God, each have like a different a flavor. I know. I've got a whole thing. I'm eating a whole. I am going to eat an entire <laughs> fucking like, cricket. I'm going to eat an I entire cricket. To, now, you took to, pictures. You took pictures of each of these things, right? Yes. Okay. So. We'll get you'll be able to see what the crickets look like. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll post the crickets. Okay. So the cricket oh. that I'm about to eat now, you have a different flavor than I do. What flavor of cricket are you about to eat? I have uh, salt and vinegar. Okay. I have bacon and cheese. I just my I hate that. I wish they were more whole, but that's you know what are you gonna do? I've got a whole. I've got a mine as a whole. Oh, well, no, I have to, to like. I have to oh, God, shuffle some is, into my hand. This oh, is just God. disgusting. This um, is really I, and crickets scare the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, and these are real. I'm not. And, and again, they jump and I want. I want everybody to know this is. I'm holding in my hand a real dead cricket. 
Yeah, these are straight up crickets. Like the wing, the the legs, the whole thing. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It is a real cricket. And yes. it, they flavored it with bacon and cheese, and yours is salt and vinegar, correct? Yes. Okay, are we ready? Uh, and oh, in shit. the ingredients... A leg fell off onto my... <laughs> <laughs> a leg fell off onto my laptop. On a, like, right on, you know, a leg, I'm not kidding, Esmeralda. I have a little picture of, of okay. Roy Leonard. Right. Of Roy Leonard looking up at me from my laptop. I've taped it to the laptop. Did it, did it fall on him? The leg fell on Roy's mouth. Oh boy! Oh that boy! That might be a message to like, everyone's Roy getting saying, some. Roy's saying, "Hey man, don't eat that shit." I think that's what he's saying. Everyone's getting a cricket. Okay, are we ready? Okay. Bacon and oh, cheese cricket on my end. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was good, actually. Yeah. It was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> I guess as long as you don't look at it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's crunchy. It's, it's very salty. It's very salty. There's crunchy, a little very, vinegar. Very dry, obviously. Very, very dry. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious they how apart. they do it. I don't know how they do it. But it's good. And it tastes like bacon and, and cheese. How, did yours have the, the flavor of salt and vinegar? It did. It was more salty than the vinegar. It did have a vinegar, but it wasn't as like strong as I was expecting. Yeah. Um, there, it's a little nutty tasting. Yeah. Well, did I think you get that. I did too. I think that's just because of the, what they do to the cricket. They make it very nutty in consistency. So. No, All I right, just. Well, oh, I just assumed like crickets maybe just have a nutty flavor to them. Maybe they do. Well, that was all right. I'm actually I'll probably finish no, the, off this little bag. I will of finish crickets. off the crickets. I will tell you that right now. I will finish off the bacon and cheese crickets. It's you all know right. what? It's a thing of you just have to get over the fact that they're crickets. Close your eyes and eat them. <laughs> it tastes fine. It's fine. And it's and it's nothing like it's. Yeah, there's no yeah. what I could probably not go down with. But I think any time they um, you see crickets being made. They're usually like in a crispy consistency. I don't yeah. think I would be able to eat one if it was like Chewy. soft. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> well, um, all right. Well, I mean, not, you know, only for me, only one really large fucking no way would I ever put that near my face again. And that's the sour cream and onion uh, candy candy cane. That's the only yeah, one. I like that, that we up. were more disgusted with just like the fake flavor candy cane than the crickets. Right. <laughs> And I think my favorite, I think my favorite thing that we've tried today is the pickle cotton candy. I got to go with the pickle cotton candy is the best. What would you say yeah. is your favorite? I'm eating some more of it. <laughs> there you go. It's nice. And according to uh, Esmeralda, the cummies are a little chewier than normal. <laughs> <laughs> but taste better than the real thing. So. Honey, did you have asparagus tonight? What? Uh, I'm just not saying much, but no. All right. Well, well, that was fun. We'll do it again. We'll save some of this. We've got plenty mm-hmm. more. Thank yeah, you, we Deanna. Have, we have again. a lot more. We have a lot yes, more. Thank you, Deanna, and uh, and all of that cool stuff. My thanks to Stephen Tobolowski for being uh, Stephen Tobolowski. What can you say about the guy? He's going to be coming back. My thanks to uh, Carrie Russell for trying to break into the apartment and kiss me. <laughs> and, uh, and my thanks uh, to the listener who said that this is, uh, reminds them of asthma. I'll give you asthma. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it again on uh, Tuesday. And uh, Dan Feinberg is back uh, for his biweekly visit talking about all new TV, all cool stuff. Nice. Hollywood Reporter, The Fine Print. And uh, please check us out. Uh, at the Nick D Podcast. We want to hear from you. Leave your voicemails anytime you want. 773-417-6948. Leave them. 
and uh, emails, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank Jason Skaggs for all the great work he did, particularly the amazing um, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky uh, theme that he did for this uh, uh, per, uh, uh, program. And uh, rate and review us on every platform. Go to radiomisfits.com, and we will see you again on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. It's Nick DeGilio on the Radio Misfits uh, Podcast Network. All right, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>